Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much, Pastor. And uh, I'm not sure what to do with that, actually. And uh, my wife, who's not here, and I was praying, she said, baby, please. She said, try not to sweat so much. And try not to spit on those nice people in the front row. And so I'm going to try to be on my best behavior this morning. But I love your pastors. I love your leadership here, Pastor George, uh, Pastor Anthony. I just love you guys so much. You guys have written the book on hospitality. Met a great young lady who serves as like a host for guests, Julia, and uh, she was so sweet and so kind. I, she gave me a tour. I got saved four times on the tour she gave me the church. It was unbelievable. But what a sweet spirit that she has and love the worship, and we love this great church. And I uh, could not get, wait to be here this morning. Uh, you know, I know you're in Seek Weeks, Seek Week, and just going after the Lord, and, and uh, it's good that we begin the year with a sense of focus, saying, God, I just want to focus. I want to laser in. I want this year to be one I walk closer to you than I've ever been before. And I'm not sure if it's an age thing. I hope it isn't. I still feel like a puppy, but I'm praying, God, this year, I want to be more focused. I want to walk closer to you than I've ever been before. And, uh, and I want to talk for just in a moment, I want to talk about the end game. Now, we're doing all this now, saying, God, give me a good year. Uh, we're making spiritual disciplines and uh, getting our priorities, I hope, together, or even making maybe some physical challenges and uh, eating changes or whatever. And uh, that's so wonderful. But it, it really, it's, it's all about the end game. And I'll talk about that in a moment, but I want to take you for a second, and I'm going to show you. They say a picture paints a thousand words, and I want to show you why this year I want seek weeks more than ever. I want to know God's favor, God's anointing more than ever. I'm going to take in a quick world tour very quickly. You won't get motion sickness. You don't need a passport. You don't need a vaccine. Let's not go there. But I'm going to take you really quick, and I'm going to show you what burns in my heart this morning. First picture, all right, really simple. Uh, we have a passion for uh, Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe, Africa, uh, that's an altar call one night. People in Zimbabwe are hungry for Jesus, and we're seeing, we're, uh, we're going there. Uh, we go in a couple of weeks to Zimbabwe, playing churches all over Zimbabwe, Africa. Zimbabwe needs to know the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, our next picture still Zimbabwe. Uh, every night we have a massive kids crusade uh, right next to the clown. Uh, now, Robin is not the clown, but she's standing next to the clown. Uh, she married a clown, but that's my wife to the right. But we're seeing children all over Zimbabwe accepting Jesus Christ as Savior. So God's moving in Zimbabwe, Africa. Uh, next picture, I told you, going to go quick. Every morning when we're in Zimbabwe, we're going to public schools and have, have outreaches and, and uh, assemblies. Uh, we just drive up unannounced. Uh, we drove up to that school. I said to the headmaster, can we talk to your young people? And he said, can you give me five minutes? That happened in five minutes. And uh, the headmaster leaned over to me and said, he said, be sure you tell my students how to be born again. Again, how many wouldn't mind that in every school in America? Come on. And so, listen, I want to see every school in Zimbabwe impacted with the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, next picture, we began during COVID uh, putting solar-powered water systems on church property and, uh, and, and because of the need for water. And we're placing them on churches so they can use it as an evangelism tool. 
Because you can drink fresh water and still die and go to hell without Christ. But we want the church to use the fresh water to introduce people to the living water. And so we have 50 of them all funded. It's a miracle. God's moving all over Zimbabwe, Africa. Amen. Now we're going fast. I know this. We're going for Zimbabwe. I'm going to take you quick now to the next picture. I want you to welcome you to India right now. The children in that picture will never, ever know their earthly father. These are kids all born out of trafficking. This is one reason I just feel like a, something in my gut, a fire, a focus, saying, God, this year, let it be a year of fruitfulness. And we began a youth camp about 10 years ago for children born out of trafficking. And every October, matter of fact, my, my buddy that was shared this last Wednesday, Jamal Mayo, uh, go, often goes with us to uh, India. He'll speak to older young people, but we're seeing them get saved, baptized in the Holy Spirit. Our thinking is this. If Satan can do what he's doing with trafficking, why can't the Lord take those same kids, save them, fill them with the Holy Spirit, and put a call of God upon their lives? And so pray, during secret, pray for the children of India. Can I tell you a miracle? We're just, the parent, a guy just gave me a check a few months ago, just under $200,000. We're buying a building in the center of the slums of Kolkata, India. There will be a, a place to contact more of these amazing young people. Next picture, I want you to meet Seema. Next to my gorgeous wife, Robin, Seema, three years ago. This is why this uh, uh, must be a focus in our lives. Seema was found three years ago naked in a train station. Her mother has is, is, is been trafficked and is in prostitution. And her mother was trying to sell her to several men. Trying to sell her eight-year-old daughter. Well, it turns out a team that we work with in Kolkata happened to walk through the train station at that time while her mother's from the cellar. It turns out there was the highest bidder in that train station. His name was Jesus Christ, the son of Almighty God. Seema is rescued. Seema, next picture, now loves the Lord. We took her, uh, we took 50 girls at the orphanage there. They're all rescued. We took them shopping at a mall. I went shopping in a mall with 50 girls. I deserve a prize. Listen, I always laying hands on myself in that mall after a couple hours. But that's the first time she ever bought her own clothes. Seema loves Jesus. Seema has a burden to see her mother except Christ as Savior. So pray for all of India that India will be washed in the blood of Jesus. Can I get a big amen? Come on, one more country. Come on. Next country, next picture. Now we're in Romania. I know them all by name at the orphanage. I'll be there several times this year. They love Jesus, and God's raising up young people across Romania and at that orphanage who are serious about following Jesus Christ. We brought the older kids to, uh, on mission trips to Turkish Muslim villages in Romania. And they do the, they do the ministry. They, they know the language. And in one village, half the village got saved in one night. And that these are young people with the touch of God upon their lives. Would you pray for those kids that God would raise them up, that they serve God with a passion all the days of their lives? Can I get a big yes? Uh, come on, two more pictures and we're done. Next picture, this is uh, Lavinia. I, I want every young person, look at that girl. I was in her home two years ago. She was weeping, telling her parents, I'm called by God. 
They said, you, you can't follow God's call. You're going to get this, this, you don't refinance or whatever. God worked a miracle. She's our first ever full-time intern in her second year in Romania, fully funded, serving God, feeding programs, uh, 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 Bible studies, and, and ministering to children. Lavinia has a touch of God all over her life. The last warning, I'm done. This is, she was here, our daughter Rebecca from Romania. She's in her last year at Valley Forge, and this got hired in a church in Romania, uh, rather, in New Jersey, rather. Her parents direct the orphanage, but Rebecca has a touch of God on her life, and God's given her a gift. She's going with us to Africa in a couple weeks, and she'll be speaking to hundreds and hundreds of young people, children. And so the whole deal is this. It is just America, secret America. God, shake America. God, move in America. God, save Zimbabwe. God, save India. God, save Romania. Why all of that? Because of the end game. Uh, that phrase, the end game, it comes from a term in the 1800s. It originates from the game of chess. I'm not a chess guy. I'm more of a checkers guy. You're probably going to guess that. Matter of fact, not even checkers. Remember the old game Trouble? Remember that game Trouble? Whatever. That's more my kind of. But this word, the phrase, the end game, it comes from, the, uh, from chess. And what it speaks of really, it's at the end of the game. When the final pieces on a chessboard are removed, it's then called the end game. My friend, you and I as followers of Jesus must be laser focused. That we're living for Christ in such a way that we're ready for the end game. Now, what do I mean about the end game? I'm talking about the next event on God's schedule. And that event, of course, is the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ. I know it's amazing. I'm talking with Julia, uh, uh, your lovely host, and asking about a schedule, and this week here, next week in Florida. Thank God people in Florida need Jesus in the wintertime. Can I get a big amen right now? Now, they're on their own in August, but I'll go in February or January. I'm, I'm only kidding you, kind of. But, but she's talking about schedules. So we, we've, got, we've got Lutherville this week, and we've got Cape Coral next week, and then Plant City, and our schedules. And by the way, the next event... And God's schedule is the rapture. What do you think about that? The next event on God's schedule is the catching away of the bride of Christ. I want to read to you from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It's basically the Bible. In verse 13, it says this. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to believers who have died so you're not grieved like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised again to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will, br will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel. With the trumpet call of God. First, here it is, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the cloud. That's where we get the phrase rapture. Caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. And in love verse 18, it says, so encourage each other with these words. Now, folks, for time's sake, just the references, it's in the notes. 
but there's some major passages that speak about the soon return of Jesus. In John chapter 14, the first three verses refer to the rapture. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 40 to 44, it speaks about the rapture. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50, let me read this to you. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50 says this. What am I saying there, brothers and sisters? That our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies, it says, can I hear it? What will last forever? But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye. When the last trumpet is blown, for when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever, and we who are living will also be transformed. Let me stop there. Listen, in John 14, there in 1 Corinthians, it speaks about that, that event called the rapture. Now, now, please hear this. I'm going to assume nothing this morning. The rapture is that single event. For those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ, those living and deceased, who will be suddenly cut up from the earth and be joined with Christ in the air and taken to heaven forever and ever and ever. Listen, the meaning of rapture is simple. You say, Greg, I'm, I'm a believer, and uh, why are you talking on uh, 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 January Sunday uh, about the rapture? Because it can happen before the service is over. The route, we might not get to the end of the service, but the meaning of rapture is important. There's the old Greek word, harpazo. It's found 14 times in the New Testament with four variations of its meaning. And to that word, we get to a rapture, it's used 14 different times, but each, there's four variations of what that word actually means. And looking at each of those four meanings gives us insight to what the meaning of the rapture actually is. That moment again when Christians that have died will leave up their graves, and those who are still alive caught up and meet them in the clouds and will be with the Lord forever and ever. And the first meaning of that word harpasso, it means to carry off by force. Now, let me say something. If you are a follower of Jesus, a moment's coming very, very soon when Jesus is coming back to get you. He's going to carry you off by force. When I think about Asima and children in India, some have been carried off by force. There's folks living right often, maybe you've been a, a, a driving or whatever, and your phone goes off, an amber alert. Somebody's been taken. Somebody's been taken. Somebody has been carried off by force. How sobering that is. And you wonder who they are or what, what's happening. We pray or whatever. Listen, on a good note, a moment's coming very soon when Jesus Christ is going to carry every believer off by force and you'll be with the Lord forever and forever and forever. It says it again, how he uses power to rescue and remove both living and deceased believers from the last enemy, which is death. How many cannot wait to get carried away by the Lord Jesus Christ? Somebody shout yes right now. No grave will hold people back. Uh, cancer will, your circumstances, if you are a follower of Christ, the moment of the rapture, nothing on this earth can keep you back from going to be with the one that you're seeking all the month of January and every day of the year. That word also means, not just to carry out by force, it also means, and I love this, the claim for oneself eagerly. The claim for oneself, what does that mean? 
It means if you are a follower of Jesus, you no longer belong to yourself, but you belong to God now. You belong to, look at Shema. She belongs to Jesus now. She's God's daughter. You're God's daughter and you're God's son. And so imagine when Christ comes back, he's going to claim for, what, for himself eagerly that which rightfully belongs to him. Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, it says these words. It says, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. It was not paid with mere gold or silver, with lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, who sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days, he has been revealed to your, for your sake. Through Christ, you've come to trust in God. You place your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. You know, it's amazing how many good folks are in our churches. That's the question, brother, not God actually loves them. Did you know God loves you on your worst day? He loves you on your worst moments. He's loving those in this house that may feel great. We can preach, sweat, spit, do your deal. But Greg, I just feel unlovable. If you have repented of your sins, you have been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. And God's saying to you through his son, I'm going to come back and claim eagerly that which is rightfully mine. You no longer own yourself. You've been purchased by the blood of Jesus. I remember it was a number of years ago now, I was preaching at a, at a family camp, a family camp up in Canada. Hadn't been there before, whatever, and I, it's always rule of thumb. I normally always in a carry-on pack extra clothes in case loss of luggage is a good idea if you travel internationally or whatever. At Canada, pretty close, whatever, and I, I didn't pack a carry-on. I went to North, they lost my luggage. I get to Canada, whatever, I'm, like, I'm at a family camp, whatever, a very conservative area, and my, my first night there, and all I, I was supposed to be able to just go there, check into my lodge, and not really see anybody to the night service. All I had on was, was like an old Adidas t-shirt, and a, an old pair of uh, shorts, and I had some moccasins on or whatever. I, I, I played tennis that week. I, I, I fell down, had a big old scab on my leg. I, I looked horrible. I looked horrible. I, I, I did on my luggage. They know my bag. And so you go to the luggage, you know, place to claim, and you're filling out, you know, what it looked like, whatever. You give them the address, and I, I showed up, and I, I began by apologizing. I said, I'm so sorry. Uh, my first night here with you guys, and I, I got to preach in this. I had shorts on, and, and uh, old T-shirt. I looked like I crawled out of whatever, and uh, wrinkled, and this is all I have. I said, I'm, I'm so embarrassed. And uh, of course, the guy was gracious, and, but people can't some more suits. Suits in a camp, are you kidding me? Some had suits and ties on. That's the work of the devil, somebody say amen. Some had dresses on, are you kidding me? And then I walk in with my shorts and I'm very self-conscious, you know, whatever. And they sweet worship and I, I get up and I preach and when I got done, I was soaking wet. Now, I do not sweat. I mist for the glory of God is what I do. I glisten for Jesus is what I do. But I was drenched. I was soaking wet. And I, normally I, I preach like today, I'll go back and I'll change and get my, my, my sweatsuit and jump in the car, whatever, drive home, whatever. Nothing to change in. And so I'm like, I, I, I was drenched. I felt gross. 
and, uh, and, and so I'm getting like a little snack area, so I'm talking with people, whatever. My clothes are soaking wet, whatever. When I preach, people go, what, do you have to change your shirt? I got to change everything, okay? I got to change everything. Right down on my socks. I wring out my socks. Are you with me on that, church? I was soaked. I go back to my room that night. I'm lying in bed. What, your pajamas? No, I didn't have pajamas. My, my sweaty clothes. I'm lying there thinking, oh my gosh, I, I miss my suitcase so much, and I miss that old bag, whatever. And uh, sure enough, about midnight, I knock on the door. A taxi cab driver had my suitcase. I, I gave him a nice tip. I shut the door. Let me see. I, I had a moment with my suitcase. I looked at that bag like an old family friend. It's I, I, so good to see you. I miss you. Man, I just, I'm just so glad. Just, listen, if you ever lost your luggage, you can relate to this. I opened up the, suit, you know, the suitcase. You know, people in airports, God bless them, they're rough on your luggage. You pack it all gingerly. They're throwing it on the plane. And they're, they're just kicking it. They're just, just throwing the plane, whatever. And they'll look at your stuff. You pack it, making sure everything's whatever. And so, but when I took my stuff out, it's my stuff. They're, they're my clothes. And that old beat-up suitcase didn't look like much. But what was in the suitcase meant everything to me. There. And I'm taking out my stuff. And I'm putting, I'm, and as I'm looking, I'm, I know I'm shallow. I'm thinking, God, I'm so grateful. I got my suitcase. I just, I received the suitcase eagerly. Who am I talking to in this room right now? And you feel like nothing but a beat-up suitcase. Life has kicked you. Life has dinged you. Some of the wheels have fallen off. The zipper doesn't work like it used to. You feel like an old suitcase that, that, that still gets its job done and, and you're carrying things in. And uh, Because if you're a follower of Christ, you're a carrier of the presence of God. You know that. You're a suitcase for Jesus. But Satan's assaulted you. He's come after you. And you're sitting that you're a young person. Somebody's abused you. Somebody's forsaken you. Somebody's made fun of you. And you may feel this morning like, Greg, I am worth nothing. I beg to differ. You've been purchased by the drops of the blood of God's own son. And when Jesus Christ comes back to take you back, he eagerly comes. He eagerly comes. He eagerly comes. When the father gives the nod, the son isn't going to yawn and go to a hefta. He will eagerly, my friend, leap from heaven to those clouds and with a shout. My friend, Jesus at the rapture is eagerly going to come to claim that which belongs to him. Somebody shout hallelujah if you belong to God in this room. Come on. What does rapture mean? Carried off by force. It means to eagerly claim what belongs to you. But that word rapture also means to snatch away speedily. First Corinthians 15 52 says, the rapture will occur in the twinkling of an eye. It's going to happen faster than the speed of light. Read that verse in 1 Corinthians 15, 51, 53. It'll be in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown, when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. Listen, this rapture is going to happen speedily. In the blink of an eye. In the blink of an eye. You ever watch a, the football games? I know your team struggle if you're a Ravens fan. You know, God bless you. Whatever, I'm a Patriots fan, so it's a tough year for whatever. And uh, you watch a nice play, and, and then, you, then they show the slow motion. The rapture will not happen in slow motion for anybody. When Jesus comes back for his church, 
He's going to speedily remove you from this earth or out of that grave with the Lord forever and forever and forever. So carried out by force, eagerly claimed by the one that owns, you'll be snatched away speedily. The rapture, this event, will happen in the twinkling of an eye. And, uh, and lastly, that word harpazo, which means rapture, it means to be rescued from the danger of destruction. And that speaks to our belief that the rapture is going to occur before the tribulation. And the Bible tells us in Daniel 9.27 these words. He, the Antichrist, will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he'll put an end to sacrifice and offer him on the wing of the temple. He'll set up an abomination, the cause of desolation, until the end is decreed, is poured out on him. Now listen carefully. If you miss the rapture of the church, you want to tune in real quick. I'm not talking about being a believer, you know, being Catholic or Protestant or, or Baptist or Methodist or even gluten-free. If you are not yet a follower of Jesus and you miss the rapture, life in Baltimore, Lutherville, will be a completely different place to live. And as lovely as this area is, you do not want to be on the face of the earth a second after the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ. Can I get a big amen? We're talking seven years of tribulation, the first three and a half tribulation, second half, the great tribulation, about halfway through, imagine the man of lawlessness, I'm ripping through this, halfway through, these are those left here. Now those of you that go up at the rapture, you'll be with Jesus at the marriage supper of the Lamb. You'll be up there with the loved ones who've gone on before you. You'll be up there with Shadrach and Meshach and the way we go. Uh, you'll be in heaven forever and ever and ever, church, with the Lord. But those who miss the rapture, we're talking halfway through, there'll be all kind of false miracles, whatever, halfway through. Worship of God is forbidden. The temple destroyed. Worship of God will be forbidden. And there'll be the pressure it talks about in Revelation chapter 13, where it says this. He also forced everyone to receive a great and rich, a small, a rich and poor, free and slave, receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead, so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. Let's call it for wisdom. If anyone has insight, they'll calculate the number. It's, it's, for, it's a man's number. His number is 666. People that missed the rapture, listen carefully. There's going to have a moment during life on earth during the tribulation where Target, Walmart, Starbucks, Starbucks, come on, the best Starbucks, the best cup of coffee you can buy for $49.95 a cup. You really can't beat it. You're not going to buy anything without the mark of the beast. Hey, Greg, preach, sweat, spit, do your deal, lighten up, can't do it. It's secret, the end game. We're preparing for the end game. This isn't about just all everything down here in life and make it. I, I pray, yes, Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life to the full. And he cares about you. He wants to bless you. He wants to use you. He wants you to be fruitful. But he wants you ready for the end game. Because those that grow up in the rapture, listen, thank God you don't need to go through this. Again, one of the, the meanings of rapture is to, to be rescued from danger, and there'll be danger on the earth. And, the, and, and those that take the mark of the beast, every young person, the pressure will be used to take the mark of the beast because you'll not buy, you're not, you're not going to buy a, a tank of gas, you'll not buy a Kleenex, you're not going to buy a, a, a candy bar without the mark of the beast. And once somebody takes the mark of the beast, listen carefully, 
once somebody receives the mark of the beast, please hear this. It's over for you. It's over for you. Hey, I read the church growth books too. I'm not trying to be a smart aleck or abrasive or, or cocky or whatever. That's not who I am. I'm, I'm nothing. I'm nobody. But I love you enough to tell you this today. The pressure is going to be immense for people to receive the mark of the beast. Because you're not going to be able to function, do normal things, to buy a pack of, of whatever it is, and to, to buy a, a, a thing of water, whatever. And, uh, and those that receive the mark, they literally, they, they seal their doom. It's over. Those that resist it, don't take the mark. I believe that there will be tribulation saints, and it will cost them their lives and beheaded. The Bible talks about this, whatever. The whole idea this you don't have to be here you can miss that time wait what do you i'm saying i'm saying let's seek we can be just that throw aside everything that keeps you back from being sold out to god born from every secret sin now say god wash me i don't want any secrets i, I don't want to live a half a, again I'm, I'm grateful for sunday morning but i want to live for you on monday and tuesday i want to know what it means to be a, a fully devoted follower for you in these last days because christ isn't coming back for everybody he's coming back for those who are watching and waiting for his soon return and I get it too, because I read the book, keep it short, keep it snappy, keep it light, don't upset people. I'm not looking to ruin anybody's day. But people love to say, hey, Greg, preach what's been, we're all God's children, relax. We're all God's kids. No, we're not. We're all God's creation. But you become a son or a daughter of the Most High God when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. The meaning of rapture, carried off by force claimed eagerly by the one that owns you, that bought you by his suffering in the beating and the shedding of the blood. And the, he paid full price for your salvation, church. That's what, that's what he says, I'm eagerly going to come after you. And then again, that sense of being rescued. Said, Greg, well, if this is all going to happen, and it is. If Jesus is going to come back and rescue his church, and, and the dead Christ rise up first, and those of us still, we're going to be snatched up in the clouds. And be, if, if it's actually next on the schedule, on God's schedule, when is it going? The timing of the rapture, it's important we understand this. When's it going to happen? And Matthew 24, 36 says this. However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. <laughs> the Son of Man returns and be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were joined banquets and parties and weddings and we're at the time that no end of this boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and just swept them all away. This, that is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. And again, we read it earlier, 1 Corinthians 15, 52. It happened in a moment, in the, in the blink of an eye. No one knows the day of the hour. Now, we can look at the seasons. How many would recognize we're living in the last days right now? How many would agree with that? Someone shout yes. We're living in the last days right now. But no one knows the day or the moment or the hour. The angels don't know. The Son, only God the Father knows. And that's why a, a, a time like Seek Week is vital. It repositions our focus. It brings us back to our first love. 
We get back into our Bible. We get back, listen, don't get mad at me, but if you haven't cracked your Bible in seven days, and don't tell me that you're walking close to Jesus. Those who live with a sense of watch, that they, they sing different, they, they read the Bible different, that they serve different. There's a sense that Jesus, it doesn't mean that we're not faithful, our, our tasks at hand, and that we live with the head of the clouds, we're faithful, but we live with a watchful eye, that we must be ready at every single moment, church. It was way back in the 1800s in the Northeast, an evangelist named William Miller, really a heretic, actually. He predicted and would preach that the end of the world was going to happen on April 3rd in 1843. When he said that, the journalists of his day had a field day. They began reporting and watching his followers, about a half a million. Some of his followers would go to mountaintops because they thought on April 3rd when the Lord comes back, they thought if they were on a mountaintop, they would get to heaven before those that may be in the valley. There were other people uh, that, that were uh, in graveyards. Went to the, on that April 3rd, they went to a cemetery that when the rapture happened, they thought on the 3rd of April, uh, when the rapture, I want to be, I want to go up with people in my, 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 my family, my departed loved ones. Uh, there were some women who were rather high society that said oh, they went out of, out of town. They, they don't want to go to heaven with a, the, just a, you know, average person, whatever. So they were out by themselves. And, of course, when that day came and left, Miller covered his bases. He gave many other dates when Jesus Christ will return. And they've all come and gone. Whenever somebody tells you the day or the hour Christ's coming, you run like the wind from that person. Because date setters are always upsetters. It might sell books, it might be good TV preaching, but no one knows the day or the hour, church. And with that in mind, the timing of the rapture, quickly, I'm almost done. The timing of the rapture, it can happen at any moment. I know we hear that and go, oh, yeah, it can happen at any moment. I know we hear that, oh, Greg, look, Greg, I've been in church for a while. It could happen at absolutely any moment, church. Not only that, but the Bible teaches us so. The, the rapture will have the element of surprise. That's why you look at Matthew 24 and Matthew 25. Th th those are two chapters that are all about for the church to make yourself ready. Uh, when Matthew and Jesus said this, if the owner of the house said no, at what time of night the thief is coming? Who stood up, kept watch for his house, would not have him broken into. I want to ask you, has anybody here ever had their house broken into? Bless your hand right now. Anybody? Oh my, I'm so sorry. Anybody else? Anybody? Oh my gosh, a number of people. Whatever. Whatever. Has anybody here, next question, has anybody here ever actually broken into a house? Put your hand up real quick right now. <laughs> we were broken into one time, my wife and I, years ago. Went shopping, went back to the house, and the door had been broken, whatever, in, in Springfield, Massachusetts, and it was cut partly open, whatever. I thought it was really weird, and so I, you know, it just broken, door opened, whatever. And so I did what any mighty man of God would do. I said to Robin, honey, somebody broke in. You go first. I'll come up behind you. <laughs> and you think I'm kidding. So Robin walked in ahead of me. I'm not sure if he did or not, but probably. And look around, things showing up all over the house in drawers. And it turns out there was a flurry of robberies in the neighborhood, people looking for gold. Well, joke was on the robbers, and they walked into our house. Now, if they were really had, a, had loved small towels like this that would hit the jackpot, or if they loved Gatorade, whatever, that would hit the jackpot. But they, can you believe this? They never had the courtesy to give me a call. 
and say, look, I'm in the area. I'm looking to break in three-ish on Monday. Would this work for your schedule? Thieves operate on the element of surprise. When the rapture happens, there's going to be the element of surprise. Luke 17 says, one sleeping, one, uh, one, one working, two moment at a grind mill. And uh, it speaks of the time zones of the world. Some people think, right, preach, sweat, spit, do your deal. You know, Jesus is coming. I'm not trying to scare anybody, but I want you to realize we have a reason to be intense during seek week and seek year because Jesus Christ is about to return. Because there's that sense of, well, he's not going to, you know, we'd have no idea, whatever. That's the idea. That's this element of surprise. And the parable of the ten virgins, five wise, five foolish. It's all about you and I being aware that Christ could come back at absolutely any moment. And then lastly, it'll be a sudden event. Again, I mentioned this earlier. It's going to be just in, in a moment. It's important to us that the rapture will only involve true believers. Anyone who has not repented of their sins, received Jesus, their Savior, will be left behind to go through the tribulation. So the timing of the rapture is such that drives us crazy in our world. On my phone, I've got alarms going off all the time. How about you? I drive my wife crazy. I got alarms going off for this and for that, second alarm, third alarm, whatever, just to make sure we listen. You can't set alarm for the rapture. I got a better idea. Say, Greg, how do I make myself ready if we don't know when is coming, we don't know what their hour, if there's going to be a surprise, how do I make sure I'm ready for the moment he comes back? Answer simple. Be ready for him every single moment. Say, Jesus, I'm not walking out of this room without being certain that I am prepared for the soon return of Jesus Christ. Because I'm telling you, my friends, a second after, an hour after the rapture, people in Lutherville, Timonium, Baltimore, will be pounding kitchen tables, saying, dear God, what have I done? I've missed the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every TV station, as Pastor Brian comes, every TV station, all over the internet, all over social media, every news station from folks, even CNBC going to cover this one, even ESPN, even, listen, all over media. Christians have disappeared on the face of the earth, all over Asia, all over Africa. People have disappeared in the twinkling of an eye. There'll be people in, in Calcutta saying, where did Sema, where is Sema, where is Sema? The moment Christ comes back because she is washed by the blood of Jesus, Sema will go to with the Lord forever and ever and ever. We must live ready, church. There must be a sense of, if you come at any moment, I, I want to live in such a way that I'm serious about my walk with you, Jesus. And I'm going to end with this. Don't touch your car keys. You touch your car keys, lightning will shoot down over your chair right now. So don't even touch your car keys. But as Pastor Brian plays something that I wrote, something that I wrote would be great. Pastor Brian, thank you so much. I've written nothing, but I enjoy saying that. Are you still with me? Someone say yes. Greg, if the rapture is going to happen, if it's real, it's going to happen. Yeah. For, every for every verse that speaks about him coming as a baby in a manger, there are eight, approximately eight verses that speak he's coming back a second time. One out of every 30 verses in the New Testament speak about the soon return of Jesus Christ. 
Jesus is not messing around talking about the rapture. Jesus Christ said, surely I will come again, John 14, 1, and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Not, not you, you're great people under great leadership. You wouldn't be, you wouldn't be thinking, you know, why is Sheik Week every year? Why, why, why these Wednesday nights? Why Patrick Jamel and a great young evangelist coming this coming Wednesday? Don't miss, don't miss evangelist Mike Bellotto. You don't want to miss that Wednesday service. Why even have these? At the, all, listen, it, there's immediate impact in the here and now, which we need. But it prepares us for the end game. And I'm just telling you, there's masses of people who are not preparing properly for the end game. I'm not asking you, look at, I'm 63. I look a lot younger. Thanks for saying that, young people. I appreciate that this morning. I tried to pull my pants down lower to fit in. I just wanted to, because you, you get over 60 and you keep pulling your pants up higher every year. It's just, it's a work of the devil. It's awful. So I'm kind of pulling down whatever, got the, got the cool walk going on, trying to get the cool walk going, you know, whatever, whatever. I'm not as cool as Jamal and Michael, but... But whatever, nothing worse than the old guy trying to act cool. That's almost demonic. Can I get a big amen on that? But maybe it's an age thing. I don't know, but I'll tell you something. I just feel this fire in my gut to go after souls. Souls, 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 souls. Someone said, well, you're going to Zimbabwe in a few. What? It's simple to throw the net. I'm going, I'm going on a fishing trip to Zimbabwe, and I'm praying for thousands to be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Well, Greg, if it's going to happen, and it is, we're going to end with this. Pastor, Pastor George and Pastor Anthony, I said, when should I end? They said, try to wrap up by 3, so I, I'm sorry. I cannot go to 3 o'clock this afternoon. I just feel awkward doing that. Can I end right now? Would that be okay? I can't go to 3 o'clock. They, they didn't say that. They didn't say that. You're like, they're going, dear God, did he really say it? What, what, Helen, what, what's going on here, Helen? No, I'm only kidding you. If the rapture's real, it is. If it's an event that's going to happen, and it is. If it's next on God's schedule, and it is. What should the impact be? Now, the impact for the believer and the unbeliever are different. For the believer, the first impact, as we're done in seconds, is expectation. That's why Paul said, encourage each other with these words. Titus 2, 11 says this, for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. Sounds to me like Seek Week. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day, when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us his very own people, totally committed to do good deeds. It says there in Titus, to look forward with hope that wonderful day. How many are looking forward to that wonderful day? It's real. I probably told you on other visits, one reason we love kids so much maybe is because God never gave us our own biological kids. My wife and I have three in heaven that were lost in pregnancies. If you came up to my beautiful wife, Robin, we've been married now for 42 years, and just in case she's watching, is that camera on right in front of me? Is that on, sir? 
My mother-in-law is a wonderful woman. Okay, I'm back to the message, okay. Why, why'd you do that? Because I'm not stupid, that's why I did that. If you told me us 42 years ago, Greg, you're not going to be, you know, have your own kids, I, I would have rebuked you. I feel like now we got more kids than we could ever imagine. We love Rebecca from Romania. We love, I think of the kids at the orphanage. But one day soon, I'll see my three kids for the first time. And you know what some say? Not you because you're too nice. You know what some say? Greg, you're not going to recognize, you know, whatever. Oh, oh, yes, I will. Yes, I will. I'm looking for three kids who have the large heads, talk fast, spit when they speak. They belong to me up in heaven right now, church. Expectation. We look forward to that day. I don't know what battle you're facing. Who am I to come in and minimize your battle? I'm not minimizing your battle. My wife and I are going through stuff with family right now that are weighing deeply heavy upon us. Family stuff. But in the background, there's that sense of, I look forward. I can't wait to bow at the feet of the one that hung on the middle cross. Angels around his birth. Angels around water baptism. Angels around the resurrection. But no angelic interruption at the cross. How come? Because Christ was willing to suffer and die for your sins and mine. I can't wait to see my kids and you. The believer expectation, and then for the believer, there must be dedication. First John 2:28, and now dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ so that when he returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. Will that be okay? COVID gave a lot, gave a lot of people an excuse to never go back to church, but it's a bad excuse. I'm not saying dedication only involves being in God's house. There are shut-ins watching right now that this is, this is you, you would be here if you could. And we pray God touches your home, that, that nursing home, that, that prison, wherever you are. You sense God's power flow like a river right where you are. But friend, this is the hour. This is the hour. We must be dedicated to the Lord Jesus and dedicated to one another. Can I get a big amen? This is no time to let down our guard. But say, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to end with this. It's, it's getting late. We're in overtime, but it's all my fault. Listen careful. For the person that's not ready for the rapture, the unbeliever, the one that once prayed a prayer years ago, but you're sitting in a room and you're living in adultery, you're a thief and you're a liar. And you're playing games with God. You slip in, slump down, and you, you slip out un, unchecked, unbroken, unmoved. For that person, the rapture, the thought of it should bring a sense of contemplation. What will happen to me after I die? Romans 3.23, everyone is sin that comes short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, contemplate on this. For the wages of sin is still death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Think about this. And again, I'm, I'm not asking. I, I, I told you, I'm 60. I, I'm not traveling, just asking. I, I, maybe I used to, but... I don't, I'm not going to Zimbabwe just to ask people to come. I'm going to beg people. 
I'm going to plead with people to repent from the sin and receive the one that loves you and died upon that cross, rose up, he paid full price for your ticket to heaven by dying on that cross, sending his blood for your sins. Don't wait on the second look at I'm not asking, I'm begging people in the house. At least contemplate, think, what when I, my, where am I at? What, what's my direction? For there is a way which seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. We're done with this. We're going to close in prayer. Winston Churchill planned his funeral before he died. Planned it all out, every song, scripture. But at the end, he put a twist. At the end of his funeral service, he wanted someone to play the taps. That sobering taps which speaks of the end of somebody's physical life. When I hear taps, it's so sobering. It's so sobering. It speaks of the end of physical life. And, but then it is soon after a bugler or trumpeter played the taps, at a perfect moment, a man would step in on the other side of the cathedral and he would play revelry. It went from taps that spoke of death to revelry, which actually sounds like Time to get up, time to get up, time to get up in the morning. One moment, death. But he wanted his funeral to end with revelry that spoke of life. I'm praying today in the strong name of Jesus of Nazareth that at the end of your life, while the devil would love to play taps to your physical death and your spiritual death, that you and your spirit will hear the sound of reverie, that Jesus has called you to resurrection life. Somebody say a big amen. Come on. Let's stand all over this room. Can we stand together? Can we stand together? That's it. Remember, don't touch your keys. Don't, don't walk out. Just stay right where you are if you would. Would you bow your heads all over this room and those online? I'm seconds away from Pastor George coming back to uh, conclude this service. Your heads are bowed. Your eyes are closed. I've preached a narrow, focused message. I, I know that. I know it. But I just felt during seek week, God said, remind them about the end game. I'm coming back. I'm coming back for my children. I'm coming. I want them watching. I want them ready. I want them pure. I want them serving. I want them focused. I want them to be looking forward to that glorious day when I return. But with your head bowed and your eyes closed, not out of shame, not out of embarrassment, but out of reverence and respect. Your heads are bowed, eyes just out of reverence. I'm going to count to the number three. Not to be gimmicky. I'm not looking to manipulate anything. I'm not trying to force anybody. Uh, uh, and it's not going to be I'm going to do it again or I'm going to count to three. Because, listen, every journey begins with one step. Every race begins with one. In Olympics, it's on your mark, it's going to go. I'm going to put it all into one basket for time's sake. If you're in this room and you, have never, you don't remember ever receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior, or you're in this room and say, Greg, I prayed a prayer and I'm here, I come out. You might, you might have a key to every closet in this church and not be ready for the rapture of the church. The moment I say three, for those that have never received Jesus as Savior, but you want to. 
You want to open up your heart and forgive your sin and to wash you and cleanse you. And if you've drifted, you've, you're here, but you've got your hearts in the wrong place. So Greg, I know, I know I'm not living ready for the return of Christ. When I say the number three from the front to the back, I want every person, if there's nobody, we'll close in prayer, say amen, and we're going to walk out rejoicing. But the moment I say three, you know who you are. If you're not right with God, Greg, I'm not ready yet. I'm not, I'm not asking you. I'm begging you to raise your hand high enough where I can see it when I say the number three. And by the raising of your hand, you're saying, Greg, keep me in your prayer, please, because today I want to be the day. I receive Jesus Christ. I commit my life to Christ. I want to walk out forgiven. I want to walk out ready for the rapture of the church. If that's you, when I say three, I'm not asking you. I'm begging you to lift up your hand and say, Greg, it's me. Keep me in prayer today. It's about God loving me, wanting me to be ready for his coming. Here we go. On the count of three, and we're going to be done. One. Holy Spirit, move in this room. Holy Spirit, move in this room. Two. Make it real, Lord. Make it real. Make it real. Three. Greg, it's me. It's me. God bless you and you and you. I can't count. There's too many. Oh, Lord, lift it up high, lift it up high, lift it up high, lift it up high. Greg, I'm not ready, but I want to be. Now, now listen careful, please. This is going to be a, a favor I'm going to ask, the last thing I'm going to ask. This is maybe selfish on my part because I want to see you close in the eye and at the end shake your hand. I'm not asking for some of you. I'm not asking for half of you. I'm not asking a few of you. I want to ask for every single person who just raised their hand either to make a recommitment or for the first time to receive Jesus. If you just raise your, as quick as you raise your hand, I want to quickly leave your seat and come stand right smack in front of me right now. Quickly, come. Quickly. If you raise your hand, I want you to come quickly. That's it. That's that's right. Now they're coming. Come on. Let's, let's clap while they come. Come on. All, all of you. All of you. Everybody. Come on. All of you. I want you to come. I want you to come. Just side by side. Come on. Come on. There's more. Come on. There's more. Let's give a shout. Come on, church. The Lord is in this house. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on, balcony. We're waiting for you. Let's give them a big hand clap. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on, the balcony's still coming. Come on. We're going to wait for it. We love you. Come on, anybody else? Come on. You want to come? You got to come now. You got to hurry. You want to come? You got to come quick. Come on. Come on. Just real close, real close. Listen. That was a great hand clap, and no offense, but can we give Jesus the biggest standing all we've given him in 20 years? Come on. Somebody give a big old clap to him. I thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Dear visitor, the length of this service is my bad. We're in overtime. It's all on me. I beg you. Lift a hand up. Listen, if you have, if you have a loved one at the altar, because i got to say, if I had a family member at the altar, if it was my family, I'd be knocking people down to get to the altar right now. 
You get a loved one up here, you want to come get with them right now? You want to come get with them or you're an altar worker? But I want you at the altar and listen careful before Pastor George comes. I'm going to lead you in a second in a prayer. And I want not only you, but I want us for everyone breathing in the room that would to pray this prayer out loud with me. It's a simple prayer to help anybody receive Jesus Christ as, the, as their Savior and as their Lord. So can I ask you this? Can you lift up both hands wherever you are at this altar? And back in your seats, those that are watching online, would you lift up both hands up to Jesus as an act of surrender? I want to lead you out loud in a prayer to help you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior right now. Let's, don't just repeat this now. Believe it with all your heart. Let's pray together. Here we go. Dear Jesus, I'm asking you right now to do what no one else can do. Come into my heart, forgive all my sin, and save my soul. I believe in my heart, and I confess in my mouth, you are the Son of God. You love me so much, you died on that cross. You took my place. You took my sin, all because you love me. And then you rose up from the dead. I receive you now. Come on, church. I receive you now as my Savior, as my Lord. I give you more than my sin. I give you myself. I belong to you now. My sins are forgiven. Thank you for the gift of eternal life that heaven will be my home. Help me to walk with you, to never go back, to never look back, but to walk by your side. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. In your name I pray, amen. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord right now, come on. I'm going to ask Pastor George to come, and as he comes, look at me, look in this sweaty face just for one last second. Don't give up on your unsafe family. How many got some loved ones that are not inside the ark yet? They're not yet in the boat. Remember, Noah wasn't saved because he built the boat. He was saved because he got in it. How many got some loved ones that you got family members, father, in the name of Jesus, I pray in 2023 for Trinity Life, for the greatest year of family evangelism the church has ever known in history. Save entire families, sons and daughters, moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas. Neeson, I pray for the greatest harvest of souls in 2023. As they celebrate the 100th year anniversary, may this be a year you just raise the bench. I pray for the greatest outpouring of souls. Bless and save every unsaved member of our families. We commit them to, we, we just, we can admit and confess, you're not done with our unsaved loved ones yet. Write a new chapter called Grace and Redemption. Write a new story for our loved ones. I commit them to you. Now, Lord, I commit these that came forward, I commit them to you. May they walk with you and live for you. And we say it like John, even so, come quickly, 
Lord Jesus. As Pastor George comes, let's give the Lord Jesus one big old hand clap one more time. Come on, in Jesus' name.